This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Thursday, September 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. Joining me in studio today, one of the Market Foolery OGs from Australia, Uncle Joe Mager. G'day. So good to see you, my friend. So good to see you. It's been a very long time. Two years. Two years. Long time. That is a very long time. I've gone even balder during that time. I don't know. No, you're every bit as bald as you were when you left. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about Australia and the 25 year winning streak that the market. 25. Mark- it's amazing. It's amazing. Is it also not terrifying? I it mean, is. I, I, I mean, I heard this the other day, and I thought, I think I would be panicked out of my mind, because that's not supposed to happen. It's it's really unusual, to put it mildly. It's almost a record. They're going to break the Netherlands record. Um, and what's crazy is you've got people who are adults, professional money managers, who have not had a recession in their adult lifetimes, which is just crazy to think about when you think of all the major rattles there have been, even in the U.S. in the last what, 15, 20 years? We had the dot-com implosion, the housing implosion, you know, Grexit that didn't happen and all that stuff. There's a lot of action, and it hasn't really flowed through to Australia. I think that would just be one more reason for the average investor in Australia to be nervous, because if you're working with a money manager of some sort, they <laughs> they haven't gone through a down market. I <clears throat> I totally agree with that. And I think that Australia overall, there is a... It's a fascinating mix of optimism and confidence, which is well-earned from having grown the economy for 25 straight years. There was a quarter where it was down once. For one quarter? For one quarter. And did people freak out? Um, or was it just sort of viewed as a unicorn, like, wow, that's unusual. When I talk We're to probably Aust- not going to see that ever again. Yeah, when I talk to Australians about what they call the GFC, the financial crisis, they tend to think of it as, like, oh, that... You know the recession, or was like a recession. Felt like a recession. I'm yeah, like, but it lasted ten. Nah, it lasted ten weeks. No, I mean, like people weren't getting kicked out of their houses, and uh, there weren't mass layoffs. It was, it was not a recession. There was higher unemployment, but only modestly so. When someone is looking at the Australian market for the first time, a, a U.S. investor looking for international exposure, looking at Australia. And is not scared off by the 25-year winning streak, which will come to an end at some point. What is the general makeup? What are the the major industries in Australia that uh, someone who's looking to put Australian stocks on their watch list? Uh, which industry should they gravitate towards? Well, it depends on what you're <clears throat> what you're looking for. The market is dominated by four big banks, which frankly I think are overvalued and systemically risky. So I kind of Steer away from those. Then there's and you know banks like like that. I yeah, mean, longtime listeners uh, to this podcast know that that's one of your areas of expertise. So I, yeah. I take that very seriously when you say stay the hell away from the big four. Well, the short version is they're expensive. Loan loss rates are at record lows, so there's not really much room to improve there. Dividend payout ratios are at around seventy five percent. Not a lot of room there. Capital requirements are rising. Just Multiple ways to lose. So, so, avoiding the big banks. Where else should I be looking? 
Wow, that's a that's a that's a deep <clears throat> sigh. So I'm pretty excited about small and mid caps. So the big thing is you've got half the market around ten percent. Ten companies make up essentially half the market. There's another two thousand that cover the rest of it. So if you're willing to look around a little bit, there's plenty there. Um, if you're an American investor, and you probably are, if you're listening to this, there are some Australian companies that are listed here. One of them is Atlassian. Are you familiar with? Atlassian, yeah, I'm familiar with the name. Don't put a gun to my head and ask me what they actually do, though. Okay, they make software for software developers. So it sounds really niche, uh, but it's a, a tremendous business started by two guys, good friends. They used a credit card to fund the business. They still own around a third of it each today, which I actually think speaks to uh, t- tremendous economics. In terms of, cons- I'm, I'm thinking about the consumer landscape, and I think it was Matt Joss, one of your colleagues in Australia, when he was here. I think he was the one who told me that uh, when I asked him about an American business thriving in Australia, he talked about Domino's Pizza and how it was just, uh, you know, an incredibly dominant player. Yes. In the way that, even though it is one of the market leaders here in the U.S. From a market share standpoint, it sounds like it is much more dominant in Australia than it is in the U.S. They're crushing it. Domino's is kind of like Domino's in Australia is somewhat like Chipotle to burritos in America, where the quality quotient against the price is so superior to everyone else. They're just absolutely crushing it. No one is close. They're not. They're not having health issues though, are they? Like Chipotle no, has. In no, the last thankfully that's not the case. And the shares have done incredibly well. They're rather expensive today. But I went back and looked at it recently. And I want to say earnings per share had increased at something like a 20% rate over 15 years, which is just oh my god, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. And I'm, I'm rough cutting there, but it was just something almost legendary in scope, and, and the shares have done very well. Where are commodities in the Australian market? Um, I, I'm I, I got to go back to my conversation with Matt the last time he was here. I I think it was right after you and Matt. Had um, gone, gone to China, gone to China, and so yeah. one of the things he and I talked about was that trip, and just sort of commodities being a very important industry in Australia, and not surprisingly, uh, pretty <laughs> pretty dependent on what was happening in China. Yeah, and that's still the case. Um, iron ore is is the big daddy, but almost any major industrial commodity, with the exception of oil, is a, a major export from the country. They're all in oversupply, so there was just so much rampant demand and prices were rising so quickly that all these companies just poured tons of money into building new mines and it all came online roughly around the same time around the time the demand slowed down so there's been a huge crush in commodity prices which has been a very difficult time for the australian economy it was heavily driven through the gfc on the back of strength and demand from china pushing commodity prices forward but that is more or less run its course, and so the country is now kind of grinding back down to what normal growth probably looks like instead of that, you know, turbocharged commodity boom. Uh, before we continue, I've got to say a quick word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans because if you've ever bought a home, you already know how frustrating and time-consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all of the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. You can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. And best of all, you can do it all 
from your phone or tablet. So if you're one of those people who's looking to refinance your mortgage or you're actually looking to buy a new home, then do yourself a favor. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Speaking of housing, um, because, Australian yes, housing. Because I follow you on Twitter, um, I see not only your thoughts on uh, individual stocks and bacon, and bacon, of course, uh, but also the cost of living in Australia relative to the cost of living in America. Because you've you've been here at Fool HQ for a week, but prior to that, you were you were back home in Georgia, mm-hmm. and you you were treated something about. I think you were like going out for breakfast or something yeah. like that, and just the amount of food you got for not a lot of money sort of was jarring you back. We had into- leftovers for like two breakfasts after that. <laughs> I ordered some pancakes, and I was expecting some little silver dollar pancakes, and I, I just forgot how bountiful America's pancakes are. One pancake was like the size of what an entire pancake dish would be in Australia. This is very expensive uh, overall, but there's not as much produced locally. Buying power is lower, and we're at the end of the earth. So you kind of combine all that, <laughs> and everything is just more expensive in Australia. But in terms of the housing, is is that yeah, especially the housing? So is that a country-wide mm-hmm. issue, or is it something like you know, when you look at the the Schiller Housing Index and the report they do on the the twenty biggest cities in the U.S., uh, you know, you're over the last year to two. You're going to see um, more gaudy numbers coming out of places like San Francisco or mm-hmm. or Seattle than you are in other major cities. Yeah, is it because you know you know how much is Sydney where you live tipping the scales for the rest of the country? Uh, it's huge. It's huge. Sydney and Melbourne are growing aggressively. Uh, it's definitely it's a great question because there's essentially two speeds. If you're in what is essentially the commodity belt, so in the northern part of Australia or the western part, property prices have cooled off or started going backwards. Where those were just big commodity boom areas, tons of money, and now you've got a combination of less of that, but also fewer jobs. So, rent, for example, in Perth is down 10% year over year. If you have an investment property and your rent goes down 10%, and most Australian investment properties run at a loss month to month, the idea is you make it up on capital gain. I know Americans always give me that. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What? Yeah. So, so if you have an invest, I buy a a small apartment building. I buy a condo, and my whole thinking is, I'm going to rent this out at a loss. At a loss? Yeah. And the idea there's this rough heuristic that I've I've heard many times in Australia: property doubles every seven years. Sounds like um, it's aggressive. You just anyone who's a the finance major would know that's about 10% annualized growth, and Wages, household wages are growing like two percent. That math does not hold up. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not a long-term phenomenon. So there is a pretty big disconnect in valuations. Um, things are getting a lot cheaper in Perth. They're getting more expensive Sydney, and Melbourne. But there's a demand response, supply response too. So you're seeing huge numbers of condos being built, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, that could end up tilting everything the other way in a couple of years. I want to go back to where we started, which is the winning streak that the market has been on. Um, because longtime listeners know this, uh, for people who are uh, have just joined us in the last couple of years, they don't know that you are at your core a value investor. Is part of you rooting really hard for a market, a significant market correction of some sort, so that you have more opportunities? 
to go I think our investors hunting. would say, no, he's not rooting for that. The reality is that if you're an opportunistic investor who's willing to put money to work and you're patient and you're defensively positioned, then market corrections are actually great. And it's a wonderful time to really do your best work. So volatility is the friend of the confident, opportunistic investor. And I'd, I'm happy to see it both ways. I like upside volatility as well. You're in the Jeff Fisher camp. That's something I yes. always sort of needle Jeff Fisher about. Like, I know, you know, because Jeff is just such an even keeled. Just he's more. He's he, than I am. He's 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 not only even keeled. He is just a very um, uh, delightful sort of sunny person, soft spoken, all that sort of thing. But the thing I always needle him. I was like, I know, I know. Underneath that veneer, you are rooting like hell because the more volatility, the happier you are. Yeah, I think a, a big stylistic difference is Jeff is a master of options, and and I don't really mess with them. It's not. I think he puts them to great use and creates a lot of value with them, but I just personally uh, don't make much use of them. In Australia, there's just a much narrower, thinner options market. But, but overall, yes, I, I do root for volatility. It creates opportunities. For people who want to follow you on Twitter, uh, you can find Joe on Twitter at Mager, M-A-G-Y-E-R. That's M-A-G-Y-E-R. Uh, you can follow Uncle Joe on Twitter and get his thoughts about the Australian market. Uh, the website for anyone who is looking for coverage of the Australian market, the website for Motley Fool Australia. Oh, fool.com.au. .au. Um, and you have been leading the investment team there, um, but you are taking on a new role. Let me tread lightly here because it is in, into the regulated space. You are just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. You yeah. are you are going to be heading up Lakehouse Capital. That's correct. Uh, we're looking to launch a managed fund. It's, it hasn't happened yet. We're looking to do that, and I'm very excited. Um, it, I, I know this is a, a, almost an unknowable question, so I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, do you have a sense of how your business life is going to change as a result of that. Yeah, actually, I do. I'm basically going to be more chained to my desk than I was previously. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's a different it's a different experience, you know, what we'll be doing is managing money for people, whereas the core business at the Motley Fool and what I've been doing before was telling people how to invest and helping them do it better. So it's just going to be a different experience and I'll find out pretty quickly what that's like. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Thanks for being here, man. It's great to see you. Great to see you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.